Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. It's a new way to lead off your Sunday with conversation, unique perspectives, and your thoughts and questions on the hometown nine. It's Twins today. And the one-two, he struck him out swinging. A fastball at 93 ends Cabrera's at bat and Duffy with a sharp one, two, three, eighth inning. I would rather be labeled as someone who can really spin a breaking ball, throw a good fastball without any help. Twins today is driven by the Mauer Auto Group. More than cars. Well, I'm 75 now, so that I'll probably hit about 280. <laughs> you know, but yeah, it was a great question. I caught you toweling off your pits, didn't I? And I said, yes, sir, you sure did. <laughs> now, live from Target Field, here is Derek Wetmore. Good morning, Twins fans. Good to be with you. This is Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group, more than cars, and I am your host, Derek Wetmore, sitting out at Target Field, and while I'm not a meteorologist, the sky's looking a lot better today than it did yesterday. A stretch of mostly blue, I can see some wispy white clouds off to the east, and I'm not worried about baseball today. Should be just fine for you. We got a fun show planned for you for the next two hours. Some of my guests include Twins pitcher Andrew Albers. Corey Provis joins the show a little bit later on for his mic check segment. And uh, Do Hyung Park, who covers the Minnesota Twins for MLB.com, is going to round out the show. That and more coming up on this show, Twins Today, over the next two hours. That'll actually lead you right up to Corey Provis when I hand the baton off to him to talk with the manager, Rocco Baldelli, for Inside Twins. Then it's the Adana Realty pregame lineup card and first pitch. Between the Twins and Brewer set for 110, Griffin Jacks versus Aaron Ashby, the scheduled matchup there as the Twins go for the sweep here on Sunday in downtown Minneapolis. We are going to switch things up. If you're a regular listener, we typically start with five thoughts. This time we're going to cast it back a little ways. We've got a great conversation in Behind the Batting Cage between Dan Gladden and Bob Euchre, and that's where we start today's show. Hey, joining us now is a special guest, Hall of Famer, Brewers broadcaster, <laughs> actor, comedian, and of course, fisherman. One of my favorites, Bob Euchre joins us. How did you get into broadcasting? When they what? saw me play. Well, <laughs> you said, hey, maybe I can do that. I can hold that microphone. But I mean, did did, well, did actually, you study any broadcasters once you got into it? Did you no. listen to a Vince Scully? Did you? No, I, you know, I, I used to imitate Harry Carey. Oh, we all when do. <laughs> I was with the Cardinals, you know, and not playing. I would I would call the game like Harry did. Once I got out, when I was done with the Braves as a player, 
I worked with Milo Hamilton and Ernie Johnson. I sat in with them. But I, at that time, I had started doing comedy stuff, too, you know, appearances. And I had mm-hmm. started the, uh, the Tonight Show in 1969 was my, my first time on The Tonight Show. And it went pretty good. And as we said goodnight, I heard Johnny ask Ed McMahon, did that guy really play baseball? And Ed <laughs> said, I think so. So they, they had me back in a couple weeks. And, you know, from then on, I just started doing four or five shows a year. And um, I was doing the New York Writers' Dinner in 1970. And Bud Seeley was there, who at that time had purchased the Seattle Ball Club. We went out after the dinner, and he offered me a job to come back to Milwaukee and work with Merle Harmon and a guy named Tom Cullen. So I took that opportunity. And when I first went back to Milwaukee, they sent me on a couple of scouting trips, too. And I sent back some scouting reports. We had gone to a, an American Legion club to eat and I had spilled some gravy and, and <laughs> stuff on the, on the reports and I didn't want to do them over. So I just wiped it off and I sent them back to the club. And Frank Lane was the general manager at that time. So he went into Bud and blew his cork about my scouting and the, he showed Bud the papers. And so when I got back from that trip, Bud told me I was going to work in the broadcast booth with Merle and Tom. So I, I started sitting in there with them doing a little bit of color, no play-by-play. The next year, they let me do one inning. I did the fifth inning. I was comfortable with Merle and Tom working with me because I had somebody to lean on. Well, in Yankee Stadium, we're just starting a series against the Yankees, and in the fifth inning, Merle introduced me, and they both got up and left. Uh-oh. And I, I begged them to come back, and they wouldn't come back. <laughs> really did happen this way. The engineer finally told me, because I, I had my cough button down and I'm begging them to come back. And the engineer told me, you better start talking because there's one out. And that was, that was my <laughs> baptism in the play by play by myself. That was in 1972. You know, the things that were really fun, Dan, for me were the Miller light commercials oh, that we did yeah. with all of those. Great- Where were they done at? Well, we did them all over. We, we did them all over the country. And, but you know, we had hall of famers. I mean, when you think of some of the guys that we had, they're like the, the Dick, Butkus and Ray Nitschke and John Madden and those were the taste great less filling right oh yeah it was it was so good with the people that we had and do the commercials Bob Lanier I mean with his Dave Cowens the one that sticks out for me with those two guys was Bob Lanier was talking to Dave Cowens about yeah he scored 60 points in a game and the line from Lanier was that was some feet and then Dave Cowens says to him he points to his shoes no those are some feet because he had those size 24. You talked about, you know, starting to get into uh, Johnny Carson. Did that segue into Mr. Belvedere then? Kind of. You know, I, I did a couple of other shows. One was uh, War of the Stars that I did with, you know, Hollywood people against a well-known athlete. Bob Uecker's Wacky World of Sports. That was another one that I did for a couple of years. But the Belvedere thing, they called and they said they wanted me to come out there. And I went out there and I, I had the job. But I rehearsed with a couple of people that were going to play the wife on, on the sitcom. And then the guy who was Mr. Belvedere was a guy named Christopher Hewitt, who was a well-known actor. And he was going to be Belvedere. And then I was going to be George Owens. There was three kids, of course. And then the lady that played the wife was a gal named Eileen Graff. We still see each other. We, we get together every once in a while with the kids. I, I, I stay in touch with everybody. How did the Major League uh, movie 
fall in your lap. Well, but is that something? Is that one that you look at and you can plug in or you can watch it <laughs> and uh, still enjoy it? I'll be honest with you. I have never watched it in its entirety. And the only reason is because when I watched something that I did, I thought I could have done something better. You know, I could have come up with a better line. We were playing the White Sox. We were in Chicago and Chris Chesser and a guy named David Ward, who at that time had won a couple of Academy Awards already. They came to uh, they came to Comiskey Park at that time. And one of the ushers came in and told me there were two people wanted to talk to me during my time off. So I went out and I met them. Uh, they told me what they were going to do with this movie. And they gave me the script and told me to look at it. And they asked me, you know, to be serious about it and look at it and told me at that time, you don't have to read what's in the script. You can do whatever you want. You know, you, you, you make it your own. So I did, I read the script and I called the people that take care of that stuff and told them I would do it. So we did major league in Milwaukee at, at County stadium at that time, we would do it after a Brewers game. You know, they would set up the whole ballpark for the scenes from the parts that I did, Harry Doyle and, and then some of the some of the other stuff that, that was going on. But it took, I don't know, it took a couple of weeks for me to do what I did. And then Major League Two we did in Baltimore at the new ballpark in Baltimore, which again, you know, they, they let me do kind of what I wanted. I mean they they wrote good lines in there too. They had they had plenty of good lines for me and it was them that you know, made the choices, but you know, they let me do whatever I wanted. I mean, even with Pete Vukovic, I mean, with, with Buki, I used to tell him that all the time anyway, about his nose hair. Yes. When he sneezed, he looked like a party favorite, you know? So that, that was, what, was that it, was, was it tough to sit in the booth and make it look like, Oh, just a bit outside when was the, was the pitch really thrown outside? Oh, yeah. I'll tell you one thing about Charlie Sheen. He threw the ball good, Dan. He, he really did. I, I was surprised that he, he threw as, as well as he did, but he, you know, he threw up in the, um, you know, middle to upper eighties. Yeah. I, I thought he threw the ball really good. The first night that I worked, we came off of a road trip and I had to go to the ballpark and work. I don't know. He started at one o'clock in the morning, but they told me he wanted to say hello in his trailer. So I went in and talked to him. He's, he's a great baseball guy. I mean, yeah. he's, he's a big Reds fan, Cincinnati big time, but, no, I had a lot of fun doing doing the movie. I really did. It was it was great. But you never watched it in its entirety. No, <laughs> no, I don't. I mean, the players they've got it on in the clubhouse all the time. Mm-hmm. But I, I just, I always think I could have come up with a better line. Not that I could have. I'm just that's I don't know. That's I think a lot of people are like that. That you you know when you're especially when you're doing comedy or and stand up and ad libbing you know, stuff comes. I don't know why weird stuff comes to my mind sometimes. But it, it does. You know, I have a tough time sometimes being serious. But that's, that, I guess that's part of it. Well, that's the voice of the great Bob Euchre there sitting down for a conversation with Danny Gladden in Behind the Batting Cage. And I guess that's another thing Euchre and I have in common. We have never seen Major League in its entirety. So good to have that common thread here. In fact, uh, my next guest also knows Bob Euchre. I'm going to start with a question when we come back. Uh, voice you will need no introduction to, Twins fans. Corey Provis joins me next here on Twins Today. You're listening to News Talk 830-WCCO. Back to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group. More than cars, 
I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, here on a beautiful sunny day at Target Field. And my next guest for the Mike Check segment of this show, well, a man who needs no introduction around these parts. He is the great voice of Twins Baseball on your radio, Corey Provis. Corey, thanks for joining the show. Yeah, I'm honored, Derek. Uh, good to be with you, man. Good morning. It's good to be with you as well. Now, we started the show listening to one of, I, I think I can call him a mentor mm-hmm. of yours, the great uh, Bob Uecker. Um from your time working over there, when was the first time you met the great Bob Uecker? Well, I, I got. Remember. I mean, I, I got to know him through Pat Hughes in 2007 because Pat worked with Bob for 12 years, I believe, from '84 to '96. Before then, Pat uh, joined the Cubs broadcast, so I met Bob then. But my my first true interaction one on one with him was when I was a candidate for the job. And so this would have been in around February 2009. Um, I was flown out to Arizona, and Bob lives in Arizona. And there was this famous restaurant, which has since closed, named Don and Charlie's, which was a great place. To, you'd see baseball people from different generations. They had so much memorabilia. It was in Scottsdale. Just a great place to hang out. And Bob more or less has his own table there. So to kind of seal the, the interview and, and the process, you know, Bob has to meet you and make sure he's cool with you and sure. you're cool with him. So we're sitting down at his table, and right uh, Bob's got a booth, and right above Bob's head are a bunch of pictures, including one with Bob with no shirt on. So he's on a boat, he's shirtless, and you're trying to have this conversation. You're trying to win him over to, <laughs> to get the job, and you're trying to look him in the eye, but yet right above his head <laughs> – is is a shirtless Bob Euchre. So that was uh, that was part of my, that was really my first true one on one interaction with him, and, and thankfully I got the gig. And Corey, what restaurant in downtown Twin Cities is your shirtless picture hanging? Uh, uh, I don't even know this. You know, I'm I feel sh- like I should. I'm sure there's a uh, now you know broken down subway that uh, <laughs> probably has. Uh, has probably been ditched uh, long since before, but uh, uh, yeah, that, that's probably where it resides. You looked at me sideways. Now, we know each other just from Target Field. I've yeah. covered the Twins for a number of years, but this is our first year working on the same team, and um, you know, you're know, you upstairs, I'm downstairs typically. So even so, it seemed you were surprised, Corey, by this fact about me that Mr. Euchre and I share. He's never seen Major League end-to-end. I copped to the fact that nor have I, and if looks could kill, my friend, you you looked at me in some kind of way when you learned that fact. Why? Can I ask you <laughs> yes. why? Why have you never seen that? Forget your job. That's right. But that's just right. it's a great comedy. <laughs> just to get a laugh for an hour and a half, why have you never seen that movie? It's a great and fair question. Just not much of a movie guy. And I've got to be honest with you. I think there is a little something. Because when people hear you talk about baseball for a living on the radio, uh, before this I was a, I was a writer and covered baseball, they said, you don't even, you don't deserve the pen in your hand <laughs> if, you, if you haven't seen that. And I almost, I think, Corey, that's dug me in a little bit. I, I think, hey, this is my trench. That's yours. Otherwise, I might have just come across it in passing now. Now there's a little bit of stubbornness at play. So there would be times when I was with Bob for three years where there would be a moment where I would throw a line his way from the movie because I, I love the movie. It's... And maybe because I work with him, it's become my favorite baseball movie. That's um, a pretty popular take, though. I just, I just love that movie. And then being with him, it just it, my interest and my love okay. for that movie climbed even more. 
But if there was a game where, you know, there were some bad Milwaukee teams in 09 and, and 2010, they yeah, were sure. really good in 11, mm-hmm. where if they got shut out, if they only got one hit, absolutely. We'd make commercial break and I'd Story say, <laughs> we only got one hit, Bob. And we only got one, you know what, hit. <laughs> and we would just go back and forth. And so it was fun just kind of every yeah. once in a while. wouldn't do it too often. I would throw a line his way, and we'd kind of play out that scene just for a bit. That's pretty good. Well, I, I should shift gears here to the uh, initial team. Hey, in this commercial break, I know you got to run and tape a show. I will ask for your number one movie recommendation because I always give people one. But you only get one. Baseball or just any movie? Any movie. Okay. So that's just, just a kind of a way to, hey, can I trust your, your movie recommending okay. acumen? Okay. But we, we should spend some time since we're here together talking about the current Twins baseball team. And it's it's funny. You and I have not talked about this on, on a big picture. So for me and for listeners, you said there were some bad Milwaukee teams there. 09, 2010, got good in 11. They've had some really good teams too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I look at this, obviously this has been a disappointing season for the Twins. Where does this rank for you in Minnesota in the most surprised you've been? Because I know both you and I were expecting this to be a good club this year. Number one, not even close. This, this, okay. this, is, this is number one. This is the most disappointing Twins team that I've uh, been around to cover. This is my 10th season now, yeah. and I can't, I can't sugarcoat that fact. Because of the expectations, because of the talent on this team, to see the regression in pitching – as drastically as we have seen, I did not anticipate. Yeah. And that, to me, is why the Twins are where they are. Yes, there were some ruts offensively, sure. But still, you look at the numbers now, they're middle of the pack. Uh, maybe even upper tier in run scoring. Obviously, the home runs are great. It doesn't matter how many home runs they've hit. The amount they've given up, that's that's the difference right there. That, they, that, that home run fly ball ratio that we saw in April and May yeah. and the lack of strikeouts, the walk rate that was high, it's come back down a little bit. But that's why the Twins are where they are. And that's why they made those decisions at the deadline to trade Nelson, to trade uh, Barrios and others, was because they could not keep the opposition in the ballpark. So yeah. that, to me, is, is priority number one, two, three, four, and five <laughs> right. in the offseason is to fix this pitching because the offense should be okay. Yeah. But you've got to fix the pitching if this team is going to contend next yeah. year. Man, we'll see what happens with Kenta Maeda when he goes under the knife on Wednesday. They're going to take a look at the elbow and decide what procedure to do. Could be Tommy John, unfortunately, which would mean, uh, you know, good chunk of next season, if not all of it. Oh, that, yeah. that would be tough to uh, rebuild a pitching staff on the fly. But I – I still I contend that it's possible. I'm I'm it's a very unpopular opinion I think because of how far the pitching has slid back. Uh, but I think a lot of teams are struggling with this innings thing in 2021 and they will again in 2022 that you're going to have a challenge covering innings even for the good teams. I suppose the one challenge the the fly in the ointment of can the Twins contend again next year? Well, that'd be the Chicago White Sox. Yeah, that's it, a tough division. It, the gap is significant. Right. And and had had uh, Lance Lynn not resigned, then I think maybe that shrinks a bit. Carlos Rodon's a free agent. If he departs, I think that shrinks even more. I I'd feel better about 2022 from a pitching standpoint if Guys like Yohan Duran through the season. If right. Matt Canarino through the season. If Josh Winder had a complete season, sure. okay, here are here are the arms that everybody loved coming into the year, from Derek to Alex Hassan to, to every, Jeremy Zolt at that, everybody. If those guys had great seasons and full seasons, forget great seasons, just full seasons yeah, to get back get into innings. it yeah. and just to get your innings in, I'd feel, okay, here here are some reserves coming that, that should impact the rotation immediately. But many of those guys, many of those guys, if not all, 
were down this year and did not have complete seasons. So that yeah. that's why I'm still a little suspect about how the pitching is going to look, even internally, sure. uh, come 2022. Yeah, well, yeah, go make some moves, I would right. say, as uh, you said, mission one, two, three, four, four and five. five. Yeah, <laughs> I think you're a, right, yeah. especially as it comes to the starting rotation. Uh, Corey, I appreciate your candor, your insight from covering this team. We're both hoping for better baseball in the future. Uh, I know you got to run and tape a show, so I'll ask you quickly here as we send it to break. Movie recommendation for me that if you could make me, compel me to watch one movie that you think I would like based on everything you know about me, what movie are you giving me? I hope you've seen Top Gun. I'm afraid not, my friend. Okay, Top Gun, okay. It, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm mad that they're making a new one. Maybe they already yeah. did. I don't know where that's at in production with COVID, but Top Gun's my favorite all-time movie. I think it has everything you'd want in a movie. It's okay. got some surprises. It's got a great soundtrack. It's got a great start, good ending, good story, some romance, uh, great lines, just memorable lines. And to me, that's a big part of it. Soundtrack and Absolutely. lines you can kind of rattle off with your family and friends. Uh, that, to me, Top Gun's my number one. Okay. All right. Top I'm Gun. in. I will uh, report back to you once I've, Please do. once I've seen that one. Please do. Twins fans, that's a voice who needs no introduction here. He's Corey Provis. Got to run to go. Uh, got some got some shows to put together today ahead of Twins and Brewers. Inside Twins, you can catch him at noon with the manager, Rocco Baldelli. He's Corey Provis, and we thank him for his time. When we come back on Twins today, we're going to wrap it up with five thoughts and later talking with Twins pitcher Andrew Albers. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked for a full day of baseball here on News Talk 830-WCCO. Welcome back. Twins today is driven by the Mauer Auto Group, more than cars. I'm your host every Sunday here at 10 to noon on WCCO Radio. My name is Derek Wetmore, and I am sitting at a beautiful Target Field, if I may say so myself. Not just the field, also the weather here in downtown Minneapolis. Just a gorgeous day for baseball. If you happen to be heading out to the park, you are (laughs) in for a treat. And uh, given what we went through yesterday with regard to the weather, I think that is well earned. Uh, So this show runs 10 to noon. We just got done talking with Corey Provis. He's going to take the baton afterwards Inside Twins with manager Rocco Baldelli. More of a deep dive than their typical you know, day-to-day conversation that those two share each day ahead of the Twins games. And then it's the Adana Realty pregame lineup card with Chris Atterbury. First pitch, Twins and Brewers 110. Griffin Jacks versus Aaron Ashby as the Twins go for a sweep against the Brewers. So we've got all your baseball programming up to and through the baseball game today, wherever you happen to be listening to us right now. And I I know the season got away from the Twins, but I kind of like the fact that they got a chance to sweep a series here against a very good National League ball club, one of the best pitching teams in baseball. And I think it's kind of almost a chance to exercise some demons. We're going to get into five thoughts here in a second on some of the big stories of the week, the big talkers, things you've been talking about with your friends, your coworkers, your family, and uh, dive a little bit deeper on the big stories of the week. But I say exercise demons because, remember, it was in Milwaukee that opening day of the season. I remember vividly where I was sitting watching that one, and Twins take a three-run lead into the final inning, end up losing it in extras, and it was the first sign of, uh uh-oh, What's uh, I thought Alex Colome was a, was a shutdown closer. He's looked more like himself lately, but, boy, that first month or so of the season did not get off to the right start, and it started in Milwaukee. So Twins go for a chance to sweep the series here at Target Field. Again, 110 is the first pitch. 
We are talking about uh, a big return to the lineup, too. Another reason that the season has not quite gone the way that the Twins originally planned it. Let's start with number one about the most dynamic player, maybe in baseball, but certainly on the Twins. Number one. I felt good. Uh, felt like I seen the ball pretty well. I seen a good bit of pitches. Didn't put really good swings on balls, but, you know, I had some good cuts at pitches that uh, I felt like was pretty tough and gave my hand a little bit of a, a zap, you know. So overall, I feel good about the whole whole process of the rehab situation, and I'm just glad to be back. That is Byron Buxton, of course, talking about his rehab with the St. Saint Paul Saints, coming back from that fractured, uh, the boxer's fracture in his left hand when he got hit by a pitch earlier this season. He'd come back, I think it was his third or fourth game back, and just as you thought, hey, great, this guy's ready to get rolling again on his great season that he's putting together, and boom, another injury knocks him out, misses a whole bunch of time, and finally Buxton is back. Doesn't have a hit so far in his return, but the Twins are 2-0 and with Buxton in the lineup, and there are some people who think that's a coincidence when you look at the record and say, yeah, the Twins are one of the best teams ever when Buxton plays and uh, average to below when he doesn't. Uh, maybe the numbers are skewed a little bit based on the stretches of time that he missed in 19, but honestly, I think there is a big correlation to Byron Buxton standing in center field and winning baseball games. It helps your pitching staff. We've seen the offense. He's uh, the most dynamic hitter that they have, uh, certainly uh, in, in total, this season. Jorge Polanco might have something to say about that with volume, but Byron Buxton's return is huge for the Twins, and I think if he can put in a healthy stretch run here, you can start to feel a lot more confident about his 2022 season. Uh, unfortunately, that's the good news, but the bad news is he's still feeling that hand a little bit. Number two. I mean, it's soreness. feel it sometimes, but just feel like it's something that maybe I have to deal with all year, so it's just one of those things where you know, you can play through some things and you just got to know how to play through it and know know what can make it worse and whatnot. And, you know, just just want to play. So it's just one of those things where just got to keep being myself, go out there and keep playing my game. But I also know, you know, we also going to need me for the long run as well. Yeah, I like that thought process from Buxton. And I've heard from people with the Twins just uh, off the charts um, – they say makeup. I don't, I don't know if anybody really knows exactly what that word means, but the sort of mental fortitude to be able to go through something so trying as being hurt twice with pretty significant injuries in a season that he was playing honestly like an MVP candidate through the month of April. Um, so the injury, the fact that he's still feeling it, that honestly made me uh, that I, I didn't like hearing that for both for Buxton and for the Twins when he said that on Friday. But if it's something he's just going to have to manage and deal with the rest of the year, uh, props to him for playing through it. Again, put in a good stretch run here, and you and the Twins can start to feel, gosh, a whole lot better about April 2022. Uh, unfortunately, that's not the case for every single player. Here's thought three. Number three. Kenta will be undergoing a procedure next Wednesday in Dallas with Dr. Meister. That procedure, uh, I can't specifically say exactly what he's going to have done because there are several different options based on what Dr. Meister finds um, once he begins the procedure. So uh, we'll know more actually only after the procedure is over. That's Rocco Baldelli talking about Kenta Maeda, whose season is almost certainly done and is going to have elbow surgery. Now, we don't know what kind of surgeries you heard Rocco Baldelli say 
right there. But it, later on, Rocco was asked about the possibility of Tommy John as a uh, UCL replacement, and he did not rule it out. That is one of the possibilities for Kenta Maeda. Um, we'll have to see. But Wednesday, we will know more, and that could that obviously determines the rest of this season. But maybe more importantly, given uh, where the Twins are in the standings right now, that could determine how much time he pitches in 2022, if at all. And that's a scary thought if you're a Minnesota Twins team trying to uh, rebuild a rotation basically on the fly. And Kenta could be a huge part of that if he can pitch, but elbows are tricky, pitchers are tricky, and pitcher health, if, if anybody cracks the code, I think they're going to win multiple World Series in a row before the rest of the league catches up because as yet it's sort of the unanswerable conundrum. Wish Kenta well with the surgery. That's going to be on Wednesday. We'll talk to you about it next week on exactly what we know. There are different levels of surgery. Remember Rich Hill had that sort of primary repair instead of uh, Tommy John because he was getting up there in age and just wanted to get back? Well, it, it, the Twins signed him coming off of that. He had a fine year for the Twins, but then he went to Tampa this year to start the season, and he was lights out. So he got back quicker than the typical Tommy John uh Whoever gets Tommy John surgery, recipient, I think is the word that I was looking for, um, could be shorter than a year, might be a year, could be more than a year. We've certainly seen pitchers who have had that set them back for a, a full season and a half. Things are going well for Miguel Sano, and he is the focus of thought number four. Number four. And the 2-2 pitch, a swing and a blast. Left center field and deep. Back it goes. Deep it goes and gone. Miguel Sano launches one at Fenway Park. And the Twins take a 2-0 lead on Miguel's 22nd of the season. 495 feet. I mean, that was impressive. I think that's probably the furthest ball I've ever seen hit on a team that I've, I've played for. Obviously, Miguel Sano is a big, strong man. And when he gets into them, they go, they go really far. That was impressive. That should count for two, I think. Josh Donaldson there saying the, the big fly that Sano hit out of Fenway Park should count for two. And, of course, friend of the show, Corey Provis, on the call there. 495 feet. Uh, people get frustrated by Sano. Uh, big home runs and strikeouts. That's kind of the story with him. I dug up an interesting nugget in terms of the timeline here. Remember Alex Kirilov was looking like a, the future first baseman, and I, I still think that's the case, but uh, down for the year. When Kirilov went out, Sano was hitting 197. Just not much on base to speak of, and even the power wasn't enough to make up for all the strikeouts we were seeing earlier in the season. Well, since Kirilov's been out of the lineup, July 20th, Miguel Sano is the team's second best hitter behind only Jorge Polanco. He's just ahead of Mitch Garver and Josh Donaldson in that time. He's got seven homers over that stretch. He's got the batting average. He's up at 260 over that stretch with a big 364 on base and slugging 512. I just wanted to point out that he's been frustrating. He's been inconsistent. The strikeouts are too much at times. But Miguel Sano has uh, quietly become a more steady offensive contributor for the twins and hey good good on him good news for there number five is a old friend former twin then former twin again and now current twin and uh, important rotation mate number five and a pitch ground ball fielded by Sano gets up he'll underhand flick to Albers in time to get a hustling Yelich at first base nice job 
Good play by Sano. A good play by Albers. Albers trying to talk his way into staying in the ballgame. Oh, he was laying out a first pitch ground ball, and then um, we actually ended up getting the, the first pitch ground ball to uh, Simba, I believe. So, yeah, I, I think he had some some other things in mind, too, as the uh, as the outing continued on beyond when uh, when it ended. But it was uh, it was actually funny. He was laying it out for everybody in the dugout as well. That's Rocco Baldelli on Andrew Albers. You remember when he first debuted with the Twins, off to an amazing start in his Twins career. Well, this time around in his third stint with Minnesota, he's got, uh, well, so far nine and a third innings pitch, just given up the one run, uh, the one earned run, a .96 ERA, and looks to me, based on uh, his last two outings, one in relief and that start against the Brewers Friday, like he's made a bid to make another start. In fact... He was so impressive the other day, I wanted to have him on the show. So we have set up with the powers that be, coordinated an Andrew Albers interview for coming back here on the other side of this. I will ask him about that conversation he had on the mound with Rocco Baldelli and what went down in the dugout. That is coming up next on Twins Today. We'll catch up by phone with Mr. Andrew Albers. His long journey through baseball at every level should be fun. So keep it locked here full day of baseball programming this is twins today i'm Derek wetmore more baseball after this on news talk 830 wcco well welcome back to twins today it's driven by the mauer auto group more than cars i'm your host Derek wetmore sitting here at beautiful target field as it gets soaked with sun and prepared by the grounds crew for First pitch, Twins and Brewers coming up at 110 right here where you're listening to this show. Twins go for the sweep against the Brewers and a guy who helped get them into this position where they can go for the sweep on a Sunday while he was a starting pitcher Friday night at Target Field. Not once, not twice, but a third time with the Twins. He is Andrew Albers and joins us on the phone right now. Andrew, thanks for taking some time for Twins today. Thanks for having me, Derek. It's my pleasure, and I was—I uh, actually took in your start from the the stands at Target Field on Friday, so it was kind of fun to watch the the energy build up through that start. What was it like getting back on the mound in a starting capacity for the Twins back home and at Target Field? Oh, it was great. I mean, obviously, have some good memories here from the first time around, and uh, through one of the best games of my career here, in, in I think the second game of my major league career. So you know. Uh, being able to come back here and being able to have a good start and give us a chance to win on Friday night was uh, was a lot of fun. And I heard earlier this week from uh, Taylor Rogers in a radio interview that you guys had connected back then and then sort of you both go on with your careers. Uh, is it helpful to have people that you know and, and recognize? Uh, does it does it bring a level of comfort for you when you're out on the mound? Oh, for sure. I mean, Taylor and I go back a little ways. We went to the same university, even though it was at different times. Uh, he got he got to the University of Kentucky about, I think, two years after I was there. So, you know, we have that tie in common as well. And then some of these guys that, that were coming up kind of along my second tour here in, in 16, you know, Miguel Sano and Buxton and Kepler and Polanco and all those guys, you know, pretty familiar with them, played a little bit with them in, in Rochester that year. And, you know, that certainly helps you settle in and feel comfortable. And, and you know, when you know some of the guys, you you feel like uh, more part of the group a little bit sooner. So so those things all help and can all contribute to, uh, to just a, a nice comfort level. 
Yeah. Well, that's cool to hear you say it. So I knew the Kentucky connection with Rodgers, and I'm glad you brought up the other guys. I was going to ask you about some of those because they're players since, gosh, we've <laughs> we've been talking about them uh, for uh, an awful long time. Polanco, Sano, and Kepler were part of the 2009 international signing class. Buxton drafted in 2012. Kind of see the core of this team uh, uh, now performing in the majors. Um, from your perspective, a guy, a guy who was here, went away, and has come back, what's it like to see some of those guys like uh, like a Jorge Polanco, for example, playing at such a high level when you'd when you'd seen him developing and when now he is who he is in the majors? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly been fun to watch these guys. Uh, you know, you, you see them come up, and obviously you know, they've been through some of their own struggles, and, and a lot of times very for very few guys does it go smoothly the entire way, but you see them mature as, as people and as players, and and seeing them perform as everyday big leaguers, uh, you know, it, it's fun to watch. and It's fun to uh, to know the journey or know a little bit about the journey that they've been on and to have been through that a little bit with them and, and seeing the success that they've had over the past couple of years. Obviously, this season hasn't quite gone the way most people wanted it to, but, but you know, at the same time, every, these guys are working really hard to uh, to continue to get better each and every day, and they're doing a great job of it. And, and again, it's fun to watch and fun to know or have been a part of that journey when kind of before it started for a lot of those guys. So it's uh, it's been neat to see. Yeah, yeah, it's a fascinating perspective there. Uh, our guest, Twins fans, he's Andrew Albers. He started on Friday for the Twins, uh, making a bid to stick around in the rotation with how well he pitched against the Brewers, five and a third innings, and just the three hits, no earned runs, a walk and two strikeouts. Um, that coming off, obviously, the back of a uh, strong relief appearance at Yankee Stadium. Andrew, um, I want to talk about not just not just the start, the, the performance against the Brewers, because as I said, watching it from the, fan, the stands here at Target Field, it was kind of just fun to see the energy building and the innings and the zeros going up. But I want to talk about the end of that performance. When Rocco came out to take the ball out of your hand, it looked like you uh, really wanted to stay in the ball game there. Can you take Twins fans into the perspective on the mound? What's that conversation like with the manager? Well, to be honest, there isn't a very long conversation there. You know, he kind of <laughs> has, has his mind made up. You maybe try to plead your case a little bit, but uh, when you got a guy like Alcala getting loose in the pen with the stuff that he's capable of throwing out there, you know, it's it's a tough argument to be made when you're getting through the lineup a third time, and, and you know, you maybe have some non-favorable matchups for you. You know, when Rocco came out, I tried to tell him that we had a good plan for the next two guys coming up, but uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to to be convincing enough to uh, to let him to let him or to have him let me stay in the game. And and again, it's tough to argue with that when, when we have the arms that we have in the pen coming in that we're ready to go and that we're fresh. But uh, but yeah, when things are going well for you like that, you you want to stay out there as long as you can because you know uh, a lot of times or there there are times when when they don't go so well, and, and so you try to take advantage of when they are. And I was feeling good and. Felt like I was able to locate my pitches, and, and again, I felt like we had uh, a good plan for the next two guys coming up. And, and you know, obviously, again, things have been going well. So, so when things are going well, you, you try to make the most of it and try to maximize those opportunities. And uh, was was just trying to stay out there as long as I could. Yeah, well, and Rocco has mentioned a number of times this year that yeah, he's gonna he's not gonna hear much of the argument. I guess he wants to hear what you say, and the Twins, as an organization, want to hear that I want to stay in this game. So so I was really fascinated to see that from my chair that uh, Rocco sort of teased that you had 
uh, or, or hinted at, I should say, uh, that you had a plan for the next kind of guys, and you were, you were kind of trying to go through that plan with him. Can you uh, share with Twins fans, I don't know, spoil any trade secrets here, but go through how you try to uh, talk your way into staying into that ball game with your game plan? Well, again, like I said, it was a pretty brief conversation, and, and I don't think Rocco was buying much of it. Yeah. So um, uh, it, it didn't go very in depth. Uh, you know, it, it ended at about the hey, we I, I got I got a good plan for these guys. And, you know, I was maybe kind of making it up on the fly, but but definitely knew what I wanted to do with Garcia. And uh, you know, we we teased when I got in the dugout. I, I told Rocco I was going to throw him a first pitch changeup and get him to hit a ground ball, and we were going to get ground ball out, and we were going to have Lorenzo Cain up with two two outs. And sure enough, Alcala comes in and. So it was a great pitch to Garcia and gets him to roll over on the left side. So uh, <laughs> we kind of had a chuckle about that, and uh, you know, luckily, kind kind of makes me look like I'm, I might have an idea of what I'm talking <laughs> about there. So, so you know, felt good about that one. But uh, like I said, that's uh, that's a pretty easy decision for him to make, and and that's the decision he has to make. You know, it's, it's hard for me to uh, to argue with it. Again, when we got the fresh arms that we had coming out of the pen with with the great stuff that they have, yeah. Um, unfortunately, that's going to be a tough case for me to plead, and uh, you know that, that's uh, that's his job is to not listen to that, and he did a great job of not listening to me there. So. <laughs> Well, I, I love the perspective. I definitely appreciate the mentality, the the mindset. That's probably part of what means you can stick around in the big leagues after all these years. And uh, for Twins fans who don't know, I mean, extremely well-traveled. Uh, we, we are familiar with your uh, uh, tenures with the Twins, but you've also pitched in Korea. You've pitched in Japan, parts with other organizations. And I'm, I'm curious, did you know that that road was ever that, – that it was – all leading back to getting back and pitching in the big leagues again in your mid-30s? I mean, I think that's what you hope it's leading towards. Obviously, life takes its turns and has its ups and downs, and you never really know exactly what's going to happen. But it certainly, now that it has, it gives you the opportunity to really try to enjoy um, <clears throat> the situation and, and enjoy the opportunities that you do get. And you're not quite sure how many more you'll have, especially for a guy like me that, as you said, is somewhat well-traveled. Um, and, and so again, you know, you just try to take, take it one day at a time and, and enjoy the opportunities while they last. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. Really excited to be back here and, and get another opportunity in the big leagues and, and to pitch against the best players in the world. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Andrew Elbers is our guest, Twins fans. He started Friday night for the Twins against the Brewers, put the Twins in position here to go for the sweep this Sunday at Target Field. And, Andrew, uh, I, I believe you took this the right way. Uh, well-traveled, I mean that as a compliment in, in this case. Uh, just the, the tenacity, the perseverance to stick with it across uh, multiple leagues, multiple continents, and then to get back to the big leagues. I am curious. How did it come to be? How, how how did is there a phone call you get one day that says, "Hey, would you like to give this another go with the Twins?" Take us inside that process for getting back into the organization you knew pretty well. Again, it's it's not quite the way you draw it up. Obviously, you know if, you, if everything went according to script, you, you'd get to you'd get up and you'd stay there, right? And you'd, you'd hopefully have a long career. But again, that's not always where life takes you, and certain opportunities arise and. Uh, having been in Japan for the last few years, uh, my last couple of years didn't go quite as well as I would have liked. I uh, was nicked up a little bit and dealing with a couple uh, kind of nagging injuries, and uh, you know they didn't they didn't heal up quite as quickly as I would have liked. And I think as a result, my performance suffered a little bit, and so they decided not to resign me. And then it was trying to find a job, uh, you know, in North America here, and you know I knew it was probably going to be a minor league deal, and and just going and an opportunity to play with someone in affiliated ball and then you hope that you pitch well enough to 
where maybe you get an opportunity in the big leagues. And I think for me, the familiarity with the Twins, obviously I have some, some very good memories here. And when they, uh, when they offered me, uh, when they were willing to offer me a contract, a minor league contract, you know, it was, uh, it was one of those things where I thought it was a tremendous opportunity. I didn't have a lot of other offers out there, um, but certainly felt comfortable with the Twins. They were in a position where, you know, I, I, everybody thought that you know, the season would go a little bit better and would probably be in, comp- you know, in contention here. Unfortunately, that's not what happened. But at the same time, you know, I know the organization has always treated me extremely well. They've given me opportunities when not many other people have, and, and I'm so thankful to them for that. And this is just another example of that, and, and I'm happy to, to be here and hopefully contribute in any way that I can, uh, to, you know, to, to winning some ball games up here. Uh, this year. We've got about a minute left here, Andrew, and I want to ask you, I heard one of the reasons they brought you in, of course they like you as a pitcher, and your chance to uh, get to the big leagues is is uh, evident here by the fact that you are here, but the Twins also liked how you prepared. Uh, sorry, get ready between outings, between starts, between relief appearances, whatever it is. Uh, what do you try to impart on younger players as they come up through the ladder to to sort of do things quote unquote the right way as as cliche as that can be i i think it has an impact here well again i think there are enough things in baseball that are under your control that you really have to uh pay attention to the things that are under your control and one of the things that you can control is how you prepare for a game and you know there's no excuse to go out there and, and to feel like you're you haven't prepared as well as you can and that's certainly something that i pride myself on and and you know Things don't always go well for you, but at the same time, it's, it, for me, it's never going to be a case where I wasn't prepared. Um, that's not going to be a reason why, why I don't perform well or why things don't go well. <clears throat> and again, that's one of the things that's under my control. <clears throat> and so there's no, there's no reason for me not to go out there and be as prepared as I feel like I can. And whether that's watching video on guys and developing my plan a couple days in advance and then you know reviewing that to make sure this is what I see. Obviously, we have a conversation with the catchers beforehand, make sure we're on the same page as well as the coaching staff, and, you know, just, just, just things like that. But, but for me, certainly up here it's a little bit easier. You have access to a little bit more video and things like that. That's kind of what I enjoy doing is going and watching at-bats and trying to get a feel for what hitters are trying to do against uh, other left-handed pitchers and, and then develop a plan from there. And for me, that's where a lot of my preparation comes in is just watching guys that I'm, I'm not familiar with or that I haven't faced in a while or ever and uh, trying to develop a, a plan to attack and, and – once I, once I feel like I've done that with, with the guys that are in the lineup, I feel pretty well prepared. I at least have an idea of what I want to do going into the game. Now, whether or not I can execute that, that's, that's another thing. But, you know, the execution comes secondary to the preparation, in, in my opinion, and, and that's something that, I, like I said, I, I pride myself on and try to make sure that I'm always at least prepared to go out. And, and then you kind of let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, phenomenal insight, uh, especially for young baseball players, and uh, really appreciate you sharing that with us. Andrew Albers has been our guest, and Andrew, uh, thank you very much for being generous with your time here today, and we wish you continued success. Appreciate it, Derek. Thanks a lot. Have a good one. You too. Take care. All right, bye-bye. That's Andrew Albers, Twins lefty, got the start on Friday, pitched pretty well against the Milwaukee Brewers and has put the Twins in position here to go for the sweep. We'll have that 110 first pitch. Griffin Jacks on the mound for the Twins today. But keep it locked for hour two of this show. We've got an out-of-town guest coming up next. Rami Makloff joins the show on the other side of this news block on uh, News Talk 830-WCCO. Welcome back to Twins Today, driven by the Maurer Auto Group. More than cars. Once again, live from Target Field, here is Derek Wetmore. Well, welcome back, Twins fans. Twins Today is driven by the Maurer Auto Group, More Than Cars, and I am your host, 
Derek Wetmore sitting here at beautiful sunny Target Field with no roof over the top of it. And so all of those facts check out. My next guest, well, he covers the Brewers among many other things. He's a busy guy. He does comedy. You can hear him on 1250 AM, The Fan in Milwaukee. He is a good friend of mine in the radio business, Rami Makloff, and he joins us now. Rami, thanks for taking some time for Twins Today. You know it's my pleasure, Derek Wetmore. You know it's my pleasure to talk baseball with you, my friend. The pleasure is all mine, as it often is when we talk. And I first got to ask you, how'd the comedy go this weekend? You had a couple of gigs. It was great, man. Last night, I was at the uh, Laughing Tap right here in Milwaukee. And uh, one of my good friends, Eric Wheelow, was the feature act. He used to work on the Conan show before uh, that thing closed down for the time being. And he brought a great headliner with him, man, a guy named Jason Hancock. If you don't, if you've never heard of him, go and check out his YouTube page. I'd never seen him before, man. This guy is, he's going to blow up soon. He was so damn funny. Okay. It was a, it was, it was a great crowd. Great crowd last night. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Well, you heard it here first for when that dude does blow up. Rami was the one to have called it. So uh, keep an eye on that. I think that pretty well establishes your credentials, Rami. You and I did a baseball show together here in the Twin Cities for a while covering that beautiful 2019 Twins run at uh, at sun-soaked Target Field and uh, outdoor baseball at its finest. This weekend hasn't been great to your Brewers, and I'm sorry to call them that. I know you're a Cubs fan. Uh, that It's not been a great weekend for them because the Twins are on the verge of uh, completing a sweep here Sunday afternoon, but it's been a great year for the Brewers. The Twins would certainly trade that if they could. From your perspective covering this club, Rami, I mean... Simple question, what has gone so well that has them leading the NL Central by a wide margin this year? Well, the thing that's gone well pretty much all season, Wentmore, has been their starting pitching. That, that's that been the backbone and, and the thing that, that day in, day out, the Brewers and Brewers fans could pretty much count on getting. The bullpen, it was real strong in the beginning, and then they made the trade to get Willie Adamas from, from Tampa Bay and, and kind of blew a hole in the middle of their bullpen with that trade but as the season has gone along they've they've made a couple moves and a couple guys that were already there kind of stepped up and filled the void and now that bullpen is is lights out and as good as anything around major league baseball if you look at it and, and if they have a lead after six seven innings it's a wrap and i don't know what the number is right now Derek, but I read last week that they were they had won 53 of 54 games when leading after eight innings. So it's just a wrap if, if this team has a lead late in the game with Devin Williams and Josh Hader and the rest of the guys down there. And and really, the thing that, that had Brewers fans worried early in the season was was the offense on this team. And by, by making a few additions, I mentioned Willie Adamas. They got Eduardo Escobar right before the trade deadline, and they, they went and got Rowdy Tellez and plugged him in at first base between those guys and a couple of guys in this lineup making some adjustments and actually hitting off speed pitches, hitting breaking balls, making pitchers work, getting into bullpens early. This offense has actually been formidable and something for teams to deal with. So like I said, the starting pitching has been the thing from day one that has carried this team, but the other phases of the Brewers have only gotten stronger as the season has gone along and they just they just keep getting better and better and stronger and stronger they're about to lose this series they've already lost this series as you pointed out Derek but 
I believe that's the first series that they've lost since the All-Star break. This team just keeps on plugging along. Wow, that's incredible. It's certainly been a great run. I did not know that fact. And I want to touch on the pitching, but you brought up the offensive additions. So I'd like to start there. Uh, we know Eduardo Escobar well here around these parts. Super well-liked when he was with the Twins. Kind of sad day when he got traded to Arizona. But now it winds up in Milwaukee. Uh, you mentioned Willie Adamas. He was a guy I thought might be a fun target for the Twins this past winter. Uh, uh, if his time in Tampa had indeed run its course. And then I know you've got to love Rowdy Tellez as a, as a player. Uh, I guess what has been the reception from those players, not just what they've done for the offense, but how are Brewers fans receiving those three guys in the lineup? All three of those guys are already fan favorites, especially Rowdy Tellez because he's got a chantable name, Derek. If you have two <laughs> syllables and your name ends in that E sound, super easy to chant like when the books when the bucks were on their playoff run and bobby portis was was everybody's fan favorite <laughs> the bobby chant just took over the city of milwaukee and now it's the rowdy chant out there at american family field which by the way did you notice they put a roof on it at american family field and we don't have rain delays down I, here Derek i did Wetmore. see that but <laughs> if you saw the beautiful weather here in downtown minneapolis you might be changing your tune on putting roofs on major league stadiums Today, yeah, but there's been a lot of wasted time these last couple of days, Derek. But I digress. I digress. You were asking about the reception of these guys. And really, Willie Adamas, man, I did not know a lot about this guy when he was in Tampa Bay. And, and when I looked at his offensive numbers when they made the trade, I was like, what, what exactly are you doing here? Because his offensive numbers in Tampa Bay didn't look a whole lot better than what the Brewers had here. But if you looked at the home away splits of Willie Adamas when he was down in Tampa Bay, he was a much better hitter away from Tropicana Field. And I don't know what it was about the sight lines there, whatever the case might be, but he has been hitting the baseball here. But even more than that, he is, I mean, next to Christian Yelich and, and maybe even has surpassed Christian Yelich with the season that, that he's had so far. He's everybody's favorite brewer, man, and he's just a spark plug, a firecracker, however you want to label it. He's the guy who kind of makes this thing go not just on the field but he's the dude leading the the cheers and 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 the chants in the in the dugout and one of the really really sort of glue guys in the clubhouse Willie Adamas like instantly came in here Derek and became a centerpiece for this team and and the guy who's just his his, his electricity is kind of contagious for, for the Brewers and Brewers fans. Yeah, it's been super fun to watch kind of from afar here in the Twin Cities, and I want to bring this back to the Twins. I know you don't cover them currently, uh, but became very familiar with this organization a couple of years ago and probably surprised to see them fall off to the degree that they have this year. But it's so much about the pitching, and that's one thing Milwaukee's really doing well. Um, I, I want to learn about the Milwaukee Blueprint, so, blueprint, that's pretty good. You can use that if you want to. That was a total slip of the tongue. But you uh, know more about that being up close and personal to it than I would. Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta. Uh, you mentioned Hader and Williams in the bullpen earlier. Um, do they have a, a something specific in Milwaukee that allows them to develop pitchers at this rate to the point where they can go trade a reliever uh, in a competitive season and, and still see a pitching staff survive that and, and look like one of the best staffs in the big leagues? I wish I could tell you exactly what it is, Derek, because, because they do have, they actually call it the pitching lab down in Arizona at their complex in Arizona where they send these guys to work and then they come back different guys. Now the thing 
I can tell you that I know is that with both Freddie Peralta and Corbin Burns, both those guys, after some struggles, varying degrees, but some struggles early in their major league career, they went they went to that pitching lab and came back. And what what was noticeably different, what was significantly different for both those guys was their pitch mix and how much they were using their fastballs versus versus other pitches. Freddie Peralta was actually known as fastball Freddie, and when he came out this year throwing probably less than 50% fastballs. I haven't seen the number lately, but less than half his pitches are fastballs now. They're now they're calling him four-pitch Freddie. And, and with, uh, with, with Corbin Burns, he just, that sinker, man, that sinker that he's got that comes in hot, I'm talking like 95, 96 miles per hour with all kinds of action on it, is, is, it it's, it's just a, a, a lethal weapon out there on the mound. And, and he probably used that less than a quarter of the time and now it's his now it's his dominant go-to pitch and something that opposing hitters just can't look just can't see so one thing i know that they're doing is 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 getting through to these guys in terms of hey this is what you need to be throwing rather than this and i don't know if i don't know if they have a different algorithm or system or way of figuring out what these guys should be throwing than what other other uh, programs are teaching their pitchers or if they just have a better way of getting through to these guys in terms of what their pitch mix should be whatever it is it's working Derek whatever they're doing down there a lot of it is very secretive like I said <laughs> in the pitching lab at their complex in, in Arizona whatever they're doing it's working man and and not just in the rotation you look at yeah. what they've done with some of the arms down there in the bullpen and it's remarkable that's uh, well that's the plan to copy twins get a pitching lab and uh, help get that 2022 rotation of bullpen back on track. Uh, phenomenal insight on the Milwaukee Brewers there. Uh, he is Rami Makloff, and you can follow him on Twitter at RamiIsTweeting, where it's a mix of sports and comedy, his other gig. And uh, you can catch him 1250 AM, the fan of Milwaukee, and 670 the score in Chicago as well. Rami, it is uh, terrific catching up with you. I know I owe you an email. I appreciate you uh, taking some time here for Twins today, and uh, best wishes down the stretch, my friend. Thank you so much, Derek. Great catching up, my man. All right. Talk later, Rami. See you. That is Rami Makloff, the voice of, uh, well, he, he does a lot of Milwaukee Brewers coverage at 1250 AM, The Fan, and again, 670 The Score in Chicago. Uh, really, I'm fascinated to dig in on this pitching lab that they have in Arizona. I know the Brewers try to keep a bunch of things tight-lipped, so uh, not sure how much uh, we'll get to learn about that in the public sphere, but something uh, that's not lost on me is that the the Milwaukee Brewers have consistently been able to develop not only starting pitching but relief pitching as well. Uh, maybe a blueprint to follow there. Well, the Twins probably feel pretty good about their own blueprint coming into this year and uh, and not this year withstanding. Anyway, fascinating catching up with Rami and some things that the Twins can learn about building pitching and building it quickly as they'll have to do next year. We're going to pivot a little bit, come in back after this we are going to hear a conversation uh, from Game Changers. It's uh, the founder of Element Gym. His name is Dalton Outlaw, kind enough to carve out some time for us on Twins today, talking about some of the work that he's doing with the community in St. Paul and the tie-in with the Minnesota Twins and why that connection has been so important. Stick around for that, and then we're talking with Do Hyung Park of MLB.com, covers the Twins and does a great job. He'll help us close out the show 
here on Twins Today. But as we do every single week on this show, driven by the Mauer Auto Group more than cars, we got a chance now to catch up with Jeremy from the Mauer Auto Group. Jeremy, how's it going today? It's going great. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Obviously, the Mauer Auto Group tie-in with baseball is is pretty self-evident, but if you don't mind, for listeners who maybe don't know, know the whole backstory, how'd the Mauer Auto Group get tied in with Minnesota Twins baseball? Well, of course, there's Joe Maurer. You know, we got the name there. That helps. Uh, no, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, and that's one cool thing about baseball, you know, and when we say it's more than the game, you know, a lot of these baseball players, you know, they get the opportunity to be able to reach back out to the community. I know Joe is really involved with the Gillette Children's Foundation. Yeah. Um, I had the pleasure of being a part of that home run derby that they put on and raised, I think, over $350,000 for it. So it's, it's cool that, you know, everybody loves watching baseball, but at the end of the day, it is more than the game. And it allows those players to get out, get out in the community and change a bunch of lives. So it's great that Chevrolet's tied into it. The Mowers are tied into Chevrolet and then we're tied into youth baseball. I mean, it's all, it's like, it was meant to be. I love the synergies. It's fun to hear you say that. And I'm, you know, reminded of our past conversations, Jeremy, where sometimes we get on here and we talk about cars and we talk about even the lease elite program at the Mauer Auto Group. But you've spent a lot of time on this show talking about more than cars. If people are interested or curious, listeners, where's the best place that Twins fans could go and learn more about what you mean, Jeremy, when you say Mauer Auto Group more than cars? It's our website. It's the mauerautogroup.com. It's a great website because it is a portal to get to the dealerships and look at cars and really get to what we're here for is to sell some cars and everything. But the first thing you see when you go to that website is the videos of the cars we've given away and the coats we've given away and the, all the community support that's out there. You know, And we've got plans for some big stuff coming this fall. So keep your eye on the website because there's some, there's some neat and some really big and different projects because a lot of the times we all work together and we're thinking how can we sell more cars and how do we get these guys going and all that kind of stuff but there's a lot of time that we sit thinking about what can we do for the community what can we do for this organization what can we make a splash with on this one and get other people involved in helping out their local communities also yeah mauerautogroup.com that's the website you can go to and i've been there myself and you don't see a car on the first home screen you see more than cars and some of the stories involved there. Uh, so Jeremy, uh, wish you continued success with those endeavors. We'll keep our ear to the ground on what those initiatives coming up might be. But in the meantime, thank you for your support of Twins Today and thanks for coming on the show. All right. Thank you. It's great as always. Well, welcome back to Twins Today. It is driven by the Mauer Auto Group. More than cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, and I'm delighted to be joined by a special guest this week on the show. He is the owner of Element Gym. He is Dalton Outlaw. Dalton, how's it going today? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, my pleasure. Uh, happy to be speaking with you. We were just talking off mic for a quick second before hopping back on the show. The Element Gym origin story, but I would love it, Dalton, if you could share with our listeners sort of how this came to be. Yeah, totally, totally. I started the gym in 2011. Um, as an opportunity for me to give back to the community. I was a college graduate of Concordia St. Paul. I grew up in sports and boxing in St. Paul since I was eight years old. Uh, but when I graduated from school, I couldn't really find any job that, any, that fulfilled the purpose that I was looking for. Um, so I decided to, to venture off and do my own thing. And, and I discovered that 
providing a, a, a gym, a boxing gym as a space for people in the community, essentially kids uh, in an underserved uh, opportunity. Uh, we want to make sure that we can do that. And I, I did it and uh, one of the best decisions of my life. Um, and we're here now, 10 years later, celebrating our 10 year anniversary. And it's been an amazing journey. Um, I, made, I met some amazing people and, and created so much impact. It's been amazing. Well, I love to hear it. And it's uh, really fun to see your success a decade on. I know it doesn't happen overnight. Uh, even overnight successes don't happen overnight. But so I want to get into here today, your tie with the Minnesota Twins and also what sort of things Element Gym does for the community over in St. Paul. But I would like to start with your personal story in boxing, because I think that's sort of the underpinning of this whole mission that you've you are striving for. What is your story in boxing? And maybe for our listeners, how has it helped you in your life, Dalton? Yeah, totally. So as a boxer, I started really young, played basketball, but then I got into boxing. I had no really recollection of understanding what really goes on the sport, but I just seen this gym open its doors and um, they were doing some cool things in there. They were jump roping, they were doing push-ups, they were working out and it just looked like they were having fun, you know? Um, so I wandered myself in and I started doing the same things. And all of a sudden I was a few years in, you know, and then all of a sudden I was in the ring boxing and I just, I fell in love with the sport. Um, I fell in love with the, the hard work that, that it took to get to, to get into the, to the fight or to get into the ring. Um, it was a process that I was learning. I did not know that it was going to mold me as a human being and mold me as a man to uh, help me understand that if you put in hard work and dedication into anything that you can get success out of it. So I was said, hey, if I can go to college, I can go to high school and I can apply those same tactics and, and strategies and skills that I've learned in boxing and into life, I can do anything I want. So when I decided to go and be an entrepreneur, it was it was like a decision that wasn't hard for me. It was like, hey, I, I, I know what this means. I know what I have to do. So I have to get the job done by applying myself, working hard, right, working long hours putting in that extra so that I can make sure I can be successful on fight night and fight night for, for us in the, in the boxing entrepreneurship world is right. Following, I just had to continue to pursue uh, the gym and make sure that I can put my focus on that and my family versus, you know, continue to push as a professional boxer. Talk about fight night for an entrepreneur versus fight night for a boxer. The uh, tactics or the, I want to say skill set that you develop as a boxer how has that helped you in business now at this new stage of your career? Yes, 100%. It helped mold me to the entrepreneur that I am today, the man I am today, the father I am today, the husband I am today. Um, obviously, I'm not in the ring boxing anymore, but I'm going through life like everyone else and no one has it easy. But I feel like I'm prepared for difficult decision making. I'm prepared for the tough stuff because I've been able to uh, go through and endure, you know, some of the toughest training you've ever been through or been in the ring with some of the toughest guys you've ever seen. I've conquered those things and they helped me prepare for, for the life I have now. And, and, you know, it's, it's, no one has it easy. And I, I don't, I don't take that away from anybody, but I know that as a husband with, you know, uh, with a wife and four children, um, I can now prepare them for life in, in these different ways. Yeah. It's, it's phenomenal service and we'll, circle back here on some of the kids that you serve now at Element Gym. But I'd like to, at this point, if we can, Dalton, tie it in with the Minnesota Twins. Last month, you were uh, able to throw out a ceremonial first pitch at Target Field, I understand, but your relationship runs a bit deeper with the Twins than that. Can you share with us what that partnership looks like from your side? 
Yeah, totally. So, so for, for me coming into it, it was an honor and, and a great opportunity to get out there and throw the first pitch, but I've been connected with the twins now in a way that I just couldn't ever imagine. I mean, in a, in a way that they're sharing my story on multiple platforms. My name has been on the big screen. My, my face has been on the, on the uh, screen at the, at the twin stadium, uh, you know, maybe some more, more than some of the players, maybe at some point, you know, <laughs> Um, and no disrespect to anybody, but just it's been an honor to be connected with the twins and where they're sharing my story and the work that we do in the community and providing for um, our community and, and, and being that game changer organization that has done some amazing things. So it's an honor um, to be connected with the twins. Ah, so you mentioned game changers and that's kind of the program. That's where I first came, became aware of Element Gym. Dalton and I, I guess for our listeners who maybe don't know the game changers story, it's the twins started it this year and it's going to be an annual event recognizing uh, minority owned businesses making a big difference by giving back in their communities. Can you, because you know, that sounds good on paper, but for the actual impact you're making for some of these kids, Dalton, can you share with our listeners how it is you do that much in the same way. It sounds like your own boxing origin story got started. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. You know, um, early on, we decided to be connected with the community in, in any capacity, most, mostly to help serve our community youth. I know as a person, as a human, I know what that did for me. So coming into an organization and starting something, I want to be sure that we made those same strides to create and reach the individuals like myself as a youngster to keep those kids in the gym, off the street and out of trouble. Um, and that was uh, something that we just made intentional, um, wanted to make sure that was in our mission and deep rooted in our values. Um, so at the same point of creating my business, we created a, a philanthropic arm, uh, the Element Community Health Fund, doing business now as Commotion Center for Movement, uh, where we provide partnerships with organizations, where we provide space for other organizations and where we create and provide mentorship programs. We do camps. Uh, we have gymnastics programs, we have uh, dance, we do events, we just bring people together in multiple capacities to make sure that we can uplift our youth and help them build self-esteem and uh, build strength in the community. Some of our partnerships even include uh, self-esteem brands, which is uh, the parent company to Anytime Fitness. And we have uh, formed a partnership with them where they even assist with events and support um, and even mentorship from their organization uh, and their leadership to help support our organization to continue our mission in the community. So we've been uh, honored to, to share the platform that we have with multiple uh, individuals and organizations. It's really cool to hear how You'll pardon the compliment here, but just that fighter spirit that you uh, must have gotten from boxing or at least honed in boxing, that you're definitely taking that to, to business with you, Dalton. Yeah. You mentioned the, the nonprofit arm. Um, I read online that the mission is fitness equity. And mm -hmm. if that's correct, what does that mean to you, fitness equity? Yeah, that means to me is that we, we as an organization, as a business, be socially conscious of how we serve our community. Right. If you go out into the community, you go to any other business, it's about the transaction. You know, they may sometimes say it's about the relationship. But at the end of the day, if you can't afford the service, then they're not going to provide for you. Yeah. Uh, we're, but on our end, we are socially conscious and we make sure that we serve our community. We are do we do it in a way that is equitable. We do it in a way where if kids come in and they can't afford our service, they still get the same service that anyone else can if they can't. 
Um, so we offer scholarships and we offer mentorship and guidance and that relationship aspect that a lot of or other organizations can't. Um, I feel like we're in, in a sense a hybrid between a community center and a, and a fitness center and we're able to provide in, that, in, in all those avenues with a beautiful space and tremendous uh, services and uh, relationships that we can carry with our team and our, uh, our community. Twins fans, the voice you're listening to is Dalton Altlaw. He is the owner of Element Gym in St. Paul. Follow them on Instagram at Element Gym and Facebook, Element Gym for you. Dalton, if somebody wants to get involved with this or they hear your story and think, how can we help out? How can we get involved? What is the best place for people to go to learn more about Element Gym? Yeah, so you can go to our website at www.elementgym.org or you can also go to our and check out our philanthropic arm at comotioncenter.org as well where you can donate and support you can even get on there and, and, and request a volunteer for one of our future events or somehow get involved in our organization nice well we wish you continued success it's kind of fun to just hear the story of how it's built to here i'll ask you one more dalton before we let you go here on twins today What's next? What's what's your current challenge that you're uh, working through that you're really uh, taking that entrepreneurial spirit to try to attack? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. We're continuing to finish our build out of our facility here, um, okay. but we are, are also on the back end working on our future space um, as well as our other ways to continue to drive impact in the community. Um, so we're even working on a space that we can go away to. Um, so, you know, we haven't really made any big announcements, but we're, we're trying to get the kids in here in the community, but also we're trying to get them away. So like, if you think of uh, a camp or something like that, okay. somewhere where kids can get away, free their heads up from all the running cars and all the buildings and all that kind of stuff and get out and enjoy what Minnesota has to offer. And it, and it has some amazing spaces. So um, we're working on that. Um, and we're excited about continuing our, our impact and our journey. That's terrific. Well, Twins fans, that's Dalton Outlaw. He's the founder and owner of Element Gym over in St. Paul. Go find them online to follow the story. And maybe it sounds like a big announcement, maybe not too far around the corner. Uh, Dalton, it's been great uh, getting to meet you, getting to chat with you, and we wish you continued success. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. Twins fans, don't go anywhere. There's more baseball coming up after this. You're listening to Twins Today on News Talk 830-WCCO. Twins fans, welcome back to Twins Today, final leg of our program here. I am your host, Derek Wetmore. This show's every Sunday, 10 to noon. We are going to hand the baton off to Corey Provis and Rocco Baldelli uh, at noon for Inside Twins after which you can hear the Adina Realty pregame lineup card with Chris Atterbury and first pitch between the Twins and Brewers as the Twins go for the sweep. 110 scheduled first pitch, and Griffin Jacks on the mound for the Minnesota Twins. In the chair for Twins today right now, a guy who covers the Minnesota Twins, he does so for MLB.com. He is Doe Hyung Park and kind enough to give us some time here on Twins today. Doe, thanks for joining if uh, what Corey and Rocco do is inside twins, is this like kind of sort of foot in the door with the twins? <laughs> peripheral twins. Yeah, peripheral something to do with the twins. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> twins adjacent here with Derek Wetmore <laughs> and Do-Hyung Park. Uh, we, we are in the midst of a tough season for the twins, obviously, Doe, and you've covered a couple of years for the twins, more good than bad. Um, but this is a good weekend for the twins, and I, I don't want to steer clear of that. 
Um, you're on the road trip, and so to see then the Twins get back home and none other than Byron Buxton's name written on the lineup card. Um, I know he doesn't have a hit yet, but he impacts games, and we've talked on and on and on about the, the way he can affect a series. From your perspective as a beat writer, what have you picked up from uh, some of Byron's teammates about the impact that he brings to the lineup once he once he was activated this weekend? It just feels different, you know, and I think that's something everybody everybody says all the time, and it's almost kind of a trite thing to this sure, point to yeah. think of, like, Byron Buxton as this difference. But I think that also says something in and of itself, that this many years later after everything, <laughs> you know, after he's been around for a while, he's 27 now, everybody's still like, oh, my God, Byron <laughs> Buxton is back in the lineup. <laughs> oh, my I mean, and we still haven't even seen Buck at full strength, right? Yeah. Like we've uh, – he's uh, – he, I, I, the the legs are – you know, they had a lot of time to recover. I don't think we've still seen him like totally book it on the base paths. And I think the uh, the at-bats and the swings are still uh, – or he's still feeling that out, especially sure. since I think he's got a little bit of like a padding on that left hand that he's getting used to. And he's saying, you know, there's soreness in the hand that's not – completely going to go away this season and he feels that and you know what can you do he broke his hand like yeah. two months ago you know that's yeah i've never tried to swing a bat two months after breaking my hand but uh it just it just it just feels different and to have the offense performing the way that it has with guys like jorge polanco and miguel sano and josh donaldson having performed the way that they've had especially polo kind of carrying yeah. this team through the last month and to add byron buxton and a stellar april to that even if he doesn't come close to that april this is an offense that has been one of the better offenses in the league all year coming back into full form you know and with buck at the helm that's something for fans to really turn an eye to in, the, in this last month he has been um vocal about i guess like frustration with the injuries and the yeah. what can you do nature of them um you just touched on something though that surprised me when i heard it friday uh when buck was activated mitch garver to the injured list to make room on the roster for number 25 and he said yeah it still hurts sometimes like when i swing and miss to what extent have you uh, just your read on the situation, Doe, uh, is he going to have to play through that this year as uh, he continues to let the hand heal up? And I guess just how much do you think that affects him day to day on a baseball field? Well, I think that's something we're going to need to see. I, uh, both Rocco and Buck have mentioned that this is something they expect that he's going to need to deal with for the rest of the year okay. until he's got, a, he's got a longer time to just set it aside during the offseason and more sure. fully recover. Uh, he said that, you know, it's a bit of sore. He really feels it more when he swings and misses. So, I mean, easy solution if I'm the doctor is, hey, just don't swing and miss. You know, it's, it's that. I don't know why people don't really think of that. They should. Uh, uh, it's so simple. Put me on the coaching staff. I don't know, man. Uh, but uh, th that's. The, and Buck has also said that he's still got strengthening exercises. The grip isn't 100% there yet. Okay. So he's still going to be strengthening with the grip. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of rehab to be had there through the end of the year. And he said there's extra work that's going to be put into that. But frankly, it's one of those things where, and he said it best when he can't, he just he just wants to play. Yeah. You know, he yeah. had he had the kind of he had the wasn't a setback, but the kind of delay with the last rehab assignment when he was coming back from the hip injury. Obviously, there's going to be a ton of frustration there when you're back for three days and then through no fault of your own, pitch comes inside, clips you, and you're down for another two months when yeah. you're having the best season of your career. And even if Byron Buxton's hand is at 98 percent. 
that's enough of a lift for this team. That's enough of a lift for Buck's mentality in and of itself because it's been such a tough year for him. Yeah. You know, let let the let, let the guy deal with a little bit of soreness in the hand that's not going to really impact his gameplay and just let him get out there, lift the team, lift the fans. Yeah. Uh, Buxton might lead the team in good vibes above replacement this year <laughs> and uh, would have been even higher total if he was playing the whole time. Um, I'm I'm – want to ask you one more because he's such a pivotal player uh addressed the struggles of the 2021 season so i won't belabor that point as far as the twins are concerned but part of the reason i still watch this with such keen interest i, I mean you know here we are at the end of august and i can't wait to find out what happens today in a twins brewers game that only matters for one of the teams uh, but i'm looking at it through a twins lens in what can I learn about this for the future, for 2022 and beyond? Uh, not only just learn about the game, but learn about the individual components of this team and the, the where are the strengths, where are the weaknesses. So the final question on Buxton, I think, is how much can this stretch here at the end of the year, if he can put in a healthy run, and even if it's not a, a, a superstar run like we saw in April, even if it's just good Byron Buxton healthy and playing most of the games, Gosh, Doe, how much can that do looking into 2022 for both Buxton and for the Twins? That's that's going to be huge. But here here here's the other side of that now. Okay. There's a fly in the ointment. So I so, sense. so so there so there's that Buxton has a good deal to do with that obviously. He's got playoff level, playoff star upside where I truly believe when you see him, he's I don't know that he's going to do this April over again. I don't know that you can run this April back, but even if he plays at like 80% of that, even if he plays where he was last season when he was healthy, sure. he is a playoff caliber difference maker. And obviously, like you said, if you look at Byron Buxton playing through a sore hand and he does anything close, and you know, even like 50, 60, 70% of what he did that April when he earned uh, American League Player of the Month, yeah. that is going to be, because again, this lineup has been one of the better lineups in the league. They're performing pretty much everybody significant is still under contract next year. There's that offense there. Here is the other side of that. Kenta Maeda, Wednesday. He's going to be having surgery. What kind of surgery? We don't know. He Question thinks mark. it's going to be Tommy John. That is still TBD. Uh, but yeah. he, he, you know, he, his expectation going in is that when he wakes up, he will have a new UCL. But we don't know what that's going to be like until uh, Dr. Keith Meister goes in. So here's the other side of that. I, th I think even before Maeda went down, there was some question as to whether you had enough pitching to complement this offense in 2022 and make a go of it. Now I think what the Twins need to determine in this next month, Buxton might have part to do with that, especially if he continues to just go off, go off. Yeah. Now you're replacing a whole starting rotation from where you were yeah. last April. As Corey Provis put it on the show <laughs> yeah. earlier, pitching this offseason needs to be uh, option uh, – at priority number one, two, three, four, and five, I think <laughs> yeah. is what he said. And uh, just about everything that can go wrong in that sense has gone wrong. You know, yeah. Kenta Maeda, wonderfully team-friendly contract, uh, possibly down for the whole year. And even beyond that, like even a Yoan Duran, who you would ideally have wanted to see up here this year, down with injury. Josh Winder, who I think it would have gotten up here in September. Friend down of the with show, injury. Josh Winder, yeah. unfortunately down. And so I think a lot of these, uh, I mean, I, I don't need to tell, I don't need to preach the Twins territory. Twins fans have been like yelling at, yelling at me about pitching since three years before I got on the beat, right? But uh, <laughs> more than ever, like this offense, this offense will be fine. But if, yeah. it's, it's, the, it's just a matter of 
are you gonna are you gonna be able to build around this offense when I don't know what kind of building set that you have right, right. now? And uh, that's there, there's a lot there's a lot of Legos to buy this off season. Yeah, like well, and the ones that you have, you got to figure out if they can be uh, cornerstone pieces. I don't know if the metaphor kind of falls apart there, but <laughs> I, I I definitely hear what you're saying, Doe. Um, big questions to answer, and to me. Buxton can answer one of them yes. in the final five weeks here, whatever we have left. Um, so I want to talk about a couple of those things. You mentioned Kenta Maeda. I'd like to get into that with you. We had Andrew Albers on the show earlier mm -hmm. and uh, probably one of my favorite stories on the Twins right now. Um, I'd like to talk to you about that as well and all things Twins pitching. Um, first, we are going to take a break here on Twins today. When we come back, we're talking with Do Hyung Park, who covers the Minnesota Twins for MLB.com and does a great job with that. All things Twins pitching with Do next here on Twins today. You're listening to News Talk 830 WCCO. Welcome back, Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group. More than cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, sitting out here. I keep saying it because I love the sound of it. Sunny Target Field here on a beautiful Sunday as we get ready for the Twins and Brewers. Game three, Twins with a chance for a sweep. I'm sitting down with a man who covers the Twins as closely as anybody. He covers them for MLB.com. He is Do Hyung Park. And we talked about all things Byron Buxton, his return to the lineup, the jolt that it gives you, the uh, thing that's become a truism, but it's, a truism because it's true that he changes the game <laughs> and he changes series. Uh, that was in the first part of this. And I want to close this show today talking with Doe about the Twins pitching uh, concerns and, and thoughts of that nature. Kenta Maeda, Doe, he is going to have surgery on Wednesday. The kind of surgery is not yet known. I guess they're going to uh, have the doctor take a look and make a judgment call on what needs to be done. What do you know about uh, surgery and a potential timeline for return for the guy who finished last year as the runner-up for AL Cy Young, Kenta Maeda? We know that there will be a surgery on Wednesday. We know that it will be in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. We know that it will be with Dr. Keith Meister. We know that he will not pitch again the rest of this year. That's about it. Uh, the Twins <laughs> okay. do not know. Kenta Maeda will not know. Dr. Keith Meister himself will not know okay. what surgery it will be until they open up the elbow and they get in there. So what Maeda has laid out to us is that the UCL is not completely torn in the okay. elbow. He said that there were doctor there, there there was a medical opinion he received that said he could probably still pitch with this if he wanted to. The idea for Kenta though is that there is more discomfort. So, so his UCL was not in good shape when he first came to America either in 2016. Yep, I this remember was known, this story. and that's yep. why the Dodgers restructured yep. the contract to be incentive laden. Maeda acknowledged that there are irregularities in the elbow, and he said, uh, and he said yesterday when he talked to us, there were the UCL was not in good shape when okay. he came over here. Uh, he he still pitched through it, and he pitched effectively through it. He had never been on the IL due to an arm-related thing before this year. Uh, now, he could have continued that, but he says. Listen, I want to ensure career longevity. If we're going to do this, we're going to do this properly. Hmm, okay. So Makes his sense. Under, so so his expectation, like I said, is Tommy John. Now, when they go in there, he did say there is an alternative option okay. that has a shorter recovery time 
Now, I'm not a doctor, and nobody's really specified what it is, but kind of reading between the lines, I presume that's something that's either the primary repair procedure that Rich Hill had, which I think is kind of a newer solution that has emerged in recent years, or something similar. Okay. Where I think that's not something that's going to keep you out for a full year, but I think regardless, we're probably not, regardless, I think we're probably not looking at a full 2022 season for Kent sure. I'm not 100% versed on the timeline, so I'm not married to that, but um, I think I think Rich Hill was back, you know, pretty like months quicker yeah, than he would have been absolutely. with a with a, with a uh, Tommy John and he obviously pitched decently for the Twins last season and has continued to pitch well for the Rays and Mets this year yeah and and it was a quicker timeline and he did it because hey I'm late in my career I'm not going to sit out for 12 16 18 months right, he was Let's 39 go. he was yeah. 39 when he did that yeah. and uh, my eight is 33 and you know there's obviously trepidation about the guy maybe coming back at age 35 in 2023 if he goes under Tommy John but he also said listen I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a good I'm in shape as a 33 year old like yes yeah. Rocket Rock yes. lets me pinch run out there you know I'm the best athlete <laughs> on the bench, so uh, he's, he's feeling decent about that. He's got a couple years on me, but his body's probably got about 20, so I can appreciate that. Uh, Doe, we're going to do some a uh, little bit of rapid fire. we got about, I'm looking at the clock, five minutes left sure. um, to talk about some other Twins pitching because Maeda's a huge question mark for 2022, and it might just be, uh, it might turn into an ellipsis in 2022, just not available potentially. We'll learn more on Wednesday, but Andrew Albers was a guest earlier on this show, and Look, I'm not saying you pitch good once and I'll write you in pen for the next five years, but for this year, though, has Albers pitched well enough in his two outings with the Twins to to earn another start, another chance in the rotation? Why not? Why not? <laughs> exactly. I mean, you look at AAA, who else you got? I mean, we're, we're probably going to talk about some other options coming up, but uh, they, they, they need arms. Andrew Albers has done absolutely nothing to insinuate he doesn't deserve another shot. What a good story he oh, is, I'm too. so you impressed. Know, Minnesota, like, he's a Canadian. Obviously, there's that tie to Minnesota, and he's had runs in the organization before he's put in the time. Yeah, he's, he's looked good. I called him well-traveled, and he laughed at that, and I, I hope he took it the right way. I meant that as like a, a, you know, it's impressive, the perseverance. He pitched in Japan, pitched in Korea, been up and down, indie ball, minor leagues, and here he is in his mid-30s, uh, another go with the Twins, and pitched well pitched at Yankee well. Stadium and then against the Brewers on Friday. Um, Twins fans are have, it's probably the number one person I get asked about at this point in the year. When do you think we're going to see Joe Ryan, the, the, the prize of the trade that sent Nelson Cruz to the Rays, and he's made, uh, I think, two appearances with the St. Paul Saints now. When are we going to see him in a Twins uniform, though? I don't think you're going to be waiting that much longer. With uh, Maeda down and uh, Charlie Barnes down to AAA today, the Twins have two rotation spots to fill this time up. One of those is going to go to Randy Dobnak, I presume, and the other... Sure. I that's I don't I don't see any other options other than Joe Ryan. Okay. And uh, so I believe those I believe those rotation spots would come up Wednesday and Thursday. So that's uh, Wednesday and Wednesday is the finale of this homestand I believe against against the uh, against the Cubs, and then I think there is a game in Tampa Bay, and so I think that's uh, so so when you're looking at those two games, Joe Ryan lasts through the 25th and he is stretched out to five innings. So. The Rocco has said, you know, we want to give him some time to stretch out. We don't want to rush him back from the Olympics. Five innings, you know, you, you, you extrapolate that to maybe like 80 pitches this next time around. That's enough to make a big league start. And I think the Twins have uh, the Twins did that with Lewis Thorpe recently. Yep. I mean, that didn't turn out great. But, you know, they, there, there is a precedent for them uh, for them doing that sort of thing. I think Randy Dobnak's going to be in a similar situation. And the Twins are going to make noise in 2022. They're going to want as long a look 
at Joe Ryan as they can in 2021 to see, you know, if he can be kind of a cornerstone piece for that rotation because he sure as heck looked fantastic for the Saints. Yeah, and with the Saints and before that, well, Team USA, that was a, a brief look, and it's hard to know the competition level and all that, but at AAA Durham with the Rays, I mean, there's absolutely a reason he was targeted by the Twins, a team that said, hey, we think we're going to compete next year, and we think it's going to come down to pitching. Um, last one for you, Doe, just, just quickly as we wrap up the show, how important is it to you to see guys put in a strong September? Now we don't have the roster expansion up to 40 like we have in years past, sure. so you're not gonna you're not gonna necessarily see the whole 40-man roster. But how important is it to you to get eyes on guys in September heading into 2022? Very, very much so. And I think the four that I'm really gonna be looking at, and we're gonna get good looks at them: Griffin Jacks, Bailey yeah. Ober, Randy Dobnak, Joe Ryan. All you starters. See good stuff from those four. Maybe Yoan Duran comes up and he's a god next year. I don't know. But if, if if those four give you what you need to see, you at least have some foundation, the makings of some foundation around which you can build for 22. Yeah, and we've seen it a number of times. I mean, Taylor Rogers and Tyler Duffy come to mind of if it doesn't work out in the rotation, the, the fallback is strong late-inning reliever, and the Twins are going to need some of that coming up in the not-too-distant future as well. A lot of that. A lot of that. I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated because I share your view. I don't know how much teams do necessarily about uh, seeing guys in September, but I think it's incredibly important. You get your firsts out of the way and then come to spring training next year just ready to roll. And there's still progress happening. By the way, today Griffin Jacks, look out for him. He threw 94 in Boston his last start. Wes Johnson, I was talking to him in Boston. He's like, hey, keep an eye on that radar gone that with was Griffin. Because they're still tweaking with him. He was still 91-92 when he came up here. He's fastball average 93-6 wow. in Boston. So keep an eye on that. Nice. Today. Well, you heard it here first, Twins fans. You heard it from the uh, insider. I said Twins adjacent earlier, but I'm going to give you the <laughs> Twins insider tag. Do Hyung Park covers the Twins for MLB.com. You follow him on Twitter at Do Hyung Park Do. Thank you so much for uh, your generosity of time and insight with us here on Twins Today. Thank you, Derek. Appreciate your time and your wit. Wow, thank you. I mean, <laughs> incredible compliment to close the show uh, as we wrap up here on Twins Today. It's been a great show. Do Hyung Park, the latest in a long line of, of great guests. Uh, you can follow his work, MLB.com slash twins. Find the website there. Any way you usually get your Twins news, he is a must-follow on Twitter. Our thanks also to Andrew Albers for joining the show, Corey Provis, of course, and uh, the great comedian sports talk radio host in Milwaukee and Chicago, Rami Makloff, as well. Ton of fun this show. Cannot wait to talk to you next week here on Twins Today. Hopefully it's a good week for the Twins, and hopefully you have a good week as well. Stay tuned. Inside Twins with Corey Provis and Rocco Baldelli is next here on News Talk 830 WCCO. You have been listening to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group, more than cars. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.